0: You wanted the best. You got the best. Would you settle for slightly above average?
1: All right, then, have we got a show for you? Coming to you live out of the Gutterman Cave in beautiful Louisville,
0: Kentucky. Here are your hosts, Andre Dominguez and Mike Gutterman, with the Negative Positives Podcast. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Hello and welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode number 280. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from a, a well, a code-ass Gutterman cave. It's actually snowing outside in Louisville, Kentucky, and I hate it. But uh, that means we need to uh, quickly go to the the co-captain <laughs> who lives in, in much, much, much better conditions, I believe, as far as this time of year. That is none other than Mr. Andre Dominguez, all the way out in the City of Angels, La La Land los angeles california how you doing tonight andre doing well mike yeah yeah well how's the weather there huh (laughs) uh it's uh today was a wonderful
2: like 70
1: 75 76 i was walking
2: home and had to take my hoodie off because i was starting to sweat a little bit
1: oh (laughs) uh suck it but uh anyway uh so this is the monday recording and that means we have a special guest and that is none other than mr jake rose who joins us from uh somebody a place that's probably got even a little worse he's probably even pulling out a tiny violin about my little weather story but uh uh so jake how are you doing tonight
0: good uh thanks for having me on guys
1: Oh, absolutely coming on well, uh, so Jake, uh, why don't you tell the fine folks, well, first of all, where you're located so we can get uh, sort of a, uh, a mental image of your, of your weather outlook and also uh, a little bit about yourself and how you got into, uh, into photography, particularly film photography.
0: Yeah, so uh, right now I'm on my, uh, in my parents' basement, actually. Uh, <laughs> I, I am uh, in Woodstock, New Brunswick, Canada, which is about uh, 12 miles east of the main New Brunswick border.
1: Mm.
0: And yeah, so about uh, about my photography, I got started around uh, 2012-2011. A relative of mine actually is uh, quite into photography as well, and that kind of inspired me. So uh, one year I asked my parents for a camera for Christmas, and uh, they ended up getting me a Nikon D3000. So that got me uh, started off in my photography journey, and uh, a couple of years after that, I uh, I went down a YouTube rabbit hole, I guess, and uh, <laughs> kind of discovered uh, film photography and uh, started scouring uh, Kijiji, which is I guess the Canadian equivalent of uh, Craigslist. Yeah, and I uh, I found a beautiful Nikon FE, and uh, that got me started into film, I guess.
1: What was it about? Uh, was it just what, what was it actually attracted you to, to try film photography? Is it just a general obsession with photography or was it like, oh man, uh, this is what all the cool kids are doing, so maybe I need to do that?
0: <laughs> well, uh, I guess I've been collecting records while. Quite a bit longer than I've been uh, into photography, so I kind of oh, got. So, the so you're
1: so you're you're a hipster, basically. Uh, so. uh, well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, but he's, but, he's got
0: a
2: few guitars as well, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, yeah, so I, so I guess I,
2: that doesn't help your hipster argument. No, <laughs> no, no.
0: no, No, I have never played Wonderwall at a party though. So.
2: <laughs> About stairway to heaven at a guitar center. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, that's forbidden.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so, okay, so you got into film, what, probably, how many years ago? Because you're pretty young, so you, you would have been, you were pretty young pretty when you started uh, photography in general, but, uh, so, like, what, what, what age were you when you started actual shooting film again?
0: Yeah, it was, uh, I was in grade 12, so I would have been 17, 18. Yeah. That would have been, uh, yeah, kind of late 2013.
1: Wow, wow, that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, Uh, is there uh, like something about film uh, that I mean? Are you pretty much mostly shooting film now, or where where are you at with that?
0: Yeah, so I I actually got into it pretty deep. Uh, I ended up selling my digital camera in twenty (laughs) sixteen. So I've been uh, I've been without a digital camera since well for three years, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I've been uh, pretty hard on the film.
1: Awesome. And when you got into film, was there was there something that immediately you're like, oh, yeah, this is what I want to do? Or did it take a little time to kind of grow on you a little bit?
0: Well, yeah, it kind of did, I guess. Uh, I wasn't shooting very much in the beginning because uh, I wasn't really set up to develop my own film and stuff like that. So it was pretty mm-hmm. pricey. Uh, the, uh, the nearest lab is uh, in Halifax, which is uh, about a five-hour drive from here. So I would wow. have to... I would have to mail my film and of course they charge pretty steep prices so Mm. and as a student that's uh that's not always great
1: (laughs) right yeah and so you develop you develop now you're self-developed now
0: yeah once i uh once i started developing and scanning my own film i uh i got hooked pretty quick and and ended up selling my digital camera to to buy a film camera another film camera i should say
1: yeah, tends it tends to happen. They they tend they tend to breed a little bit. Uh, <laughs> do <Did> they <I> ever?
2: <laughs> what are you What are you in school for, Jake?
1: So uh, I'm at the
0: University of New Brunswick. I'm in my uh, my fourth year of uh, marketing. Oh, wow!
2: So you're yeah. gonna you're gonna join the film photography industry and help some of these companies uh, <laughs> get a little better with their marketing.
0: Uh, well, I certainly wouldn't mind. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I know. I'm sure we're we're gonna get into into this conversation a little later when Mike and I start asking you our own personal questions. Yeah,
1: yeah sure. I know I know a few uh, film companies that could use a little marketing help for sure. Uh, one, <laughs> one one in particular in a great state of uh, New York, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I, I I could think of another name too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, so that's a little bit about Jake, and we're obviously going to learn a whole lot more about him as the show progresses and we get to the questions in the Facebook group to him and all that. So, But this is the first segment, so it's it's usual our tradition to have a, kind of a talk about our weeks. Usually start with Andre. Why not continue that trend and start with Mr. Andre Dominguez? What have you been up to, brother? <laughs> uh,
2: photography-wise, not not too much, which is probably not a surprise to our listeners, but <laughs> I have had a chance to start bringing out the, the little Olympus XA uh, around with the little side mounted flash. I can never remember if it's the A11 or the A16. Uh, so thankfully now I do actually have it here with me next to me. Okay, it's the A11 uh, side mounted electronic flash. And as I've, I've probably mentioned multiple times before, I, I have been trying to take that out with me more often. Uh, document little kind of goings-on and behind-the-scenes things at Uh Take it with me on Wednesday nights when we go to uh, our local neighborhood bar for our, our once-a-week kind of hangout session with the, the Cinestil guys where we obviously do still talk about work, but in a much more kind of laid-back, uh, jokey atmosphere fueled by, you know, burgers and chicken wings and beer and so that's been you know pretty fun to to kind of get back into trying to take more photos of you know the the people in life that you care about and uh speaking of i did actually bring the f100 and the 35 f2 uh down to culver city over the weekend to hang out with the girlfriend and uh we were building some some ikea furniture and so i'm (laughs) hoping that i got some some cool shots uh of uh, people you, cussing, <laughs> <laughs> no. But just like you know, the the basically like an entire wall of her room, which is which are like the the sliding doors to her um, her closet, are all like mirrors, and so it actually you know makes the the whole kind of space look a lot bigger. Given that I wasn't shooting a super wide angle lens with the thirty five, and I'm hoping that that kind of you know, wall of of mirrors, obviously having the reflection of me shooting the photo while she's kind of like poring over this, uh, <laughs> you know, mess of of wooden parts and and instructions with really not very descriptive pictures. Uh, hopefully, that that makes for some some interesting images.
1: So uh, I gotta ask: uh, <clears throat> mirrors in the bedroom always always a good call. Oh, good call. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, Did
0: I say that out loud? I might have. have
1: uh
0: huh. Well, they're on the walls, not the ceiling. So. <laughs> uh,
1: all right. I was so. told.
2: I was told that she has listened to a few episodes. <laughs> <laughs> she
0: hasn't yeah, told
1: me which ones. We
0: we don't want to get in Andre in and the doghouse here. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's
1: true. That's true. Uh, <laughs> but, Okay, Andre, is it pretty much uh, pretty much you? Uh,
2: Pretty much it. The only other thing, photography-wise, that that is going to be happening uh, soon is that tomorrow I go to have uh, my my fingerprints taken and the photo for my eventual um, U.S. passport as I go through the citizenship uh, process. And so I've already kind of ironed a a nice shirt, you know, got a haircut to 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 look good in my in my probably digital <laughs> photo uh, that's eventually gonna appear in my passport, which is oh, pretty I'm gonna cool. Try, I'm
1: gonna try to try to look like a real a real American citizen, right? Upstanding mm-hmm. individual. All yeah, right. A, a,
2: a Brothers Oxford shirt, pair of jeans, <laughs> Speedmaster, cowboy hat. No, no cowboy <laughs> hat. Just, you know, looking, looking, looking good for the
1: authorities. (laughs) Right.
0: Right. Right. You got to.
1: (laughs) All right. So, uh, Jake, uh, what have you been up to lately, man? uh, What have you gotten yourself into film-wise in Alaska recently?
0: So, uh, like Andre, I haven't really been doing much in the way of film photography. I've been uh, pretty busy with school, I guess. But, uh, yeah, uh, I try to shoot a couple rolls a week at least. But uh, other than that, I broke my promise to not buy any more cameras in 2019.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you did.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, but other than that, not much really. What did you buy? So, (laughs) a couple weeks ago, I I bought a Roliflex. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I told myself that I was done buying cameras for the rest of the year and i plan to stick to that until a good friend from ottawa messaged me and he said uh you know a lot about cameras right i was like yeah so he sends me a picture it's another roloflex (laughs) (laughs) so yeah we 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 chatted about it for a couple days and he finally got to go grab the camera from the person, and it looked to be in awesome condition. And then he says, uh, do you want it? And I said, well, no, not really, but name your price, and, and we'll go from there. So right. He, he paid a ridiculously low price, and he ended up passing a good deal on to me that was way too hard to pass down. So I guess now I have two Roliflexes,
1: and... <laughs> <laughs>
0: not that i wanted so, to but
1: in, in in preparation for this show because you know i do tons of show prep uh just i mean just do hours and hours of it and uh, uh i did notice that you were kind of a roly guy and i realized you know i have the leica voice i have the Hasselblad, and i figured <laughs> i needed something for roly because i mean it it it, there's this, there's some there's some snobbery to the the roly gang as as well. So I, I think my roly voice from here on out is going to be roly. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
2: I don't know if that's snobby. That sounds like some some <laughs> Scooby Doo stuff. <laughs>
1: well, I was just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like it's, it's it's a surprise, you know, because like it's more of a surprise voice, surprise and sort of snobbish at the same time. Roly. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a. <laughs> So that's 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 official. That's uh that's the uh, the Raleigh voice for the show. So anybody that uh, is a rolly fan that might be on the uh, show in the future, be prepared to hear that. And might maybe maybe practice it on your own in your own spare time so that you can uh, get the proper voice out when you talk about those cameras. But so uh but <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, all right, Jake, is that pretty much uh pretty much what you've been into? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome, awesome. Well, it sounds like uh, all of us have been. Kind of struggling a little bit. I think it's kind of that time of year, too, where, well, maybe not for Andre, but the weather's been pretty, pretty crappy. Uh, I had beautiful weather yesterday. I should have. Uh, went out and 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 took some photographs, but instead I decided to go ahead and get the Christmas lights on the house outside, even though it 's a little early. I was like, this might be the last warm day to put up the outside christmas lights and uh so I just went ahead and got that done so uh because I know you know if I wait it 's gonna be out in freezing temperatures cussing uh trying to get the Christmas lights up on the house so so I got that done but uh as far as uh photography stuff, nothing much else uh other than last night, I was kind of in my house attic. And yes, I did not fall this time, and uh, uh, and I found uh, one of my old uh, Kodak printers uh, that I had, sort of like as a backup. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to plug this thing in and see if it still works. I remember ha- I had some trouble out of it or something. And uh, these old Kodak printers are like pigment ink printers. And I still had like two or three cartridges left on it, uh, ink cartridges. So I was like, I should see if I can get this thing working just enough to use up the ink that I have, uh, you know, just kind of sitting around here. Uh, so pulled it down and brought it out into the, the gutter man cave and hooked it up to the computer and got it all installed. And the damn thing works flawlessly. So uh, I was able to spit awesome. out – gosh, I probably sh- I probably printed – almost 100 4 by 6s last night uh from it and they look they look fantastic and being a pigment printer uh, i've actually tested these prints in my torture test uh, years ago before i even had the podcast and these things didn't fade at all not not one bit not even a tiny bit of a year of hanging in that uh, window all, all year long I'm like absolutely no fading so this is kind of perfect to because i'm basically printing a bunch of uh uh, family photos that are going into family albums that we're trying to catch up to modern times, and so I, I really do want these to be photos that don't fade. And I already know that this uh, this printer just definitely kind of excels at that. So, got like 100, a 4 by sixes shot out last night. So, and I'm probably going to do some more tonight after I get the show edited uh, later tonight. So, uh, try to get some some more prints done. But so that's kind of the only thing I really accomplished. But which I was kind of happy with that accomplishment. But um, and then this today I went to. Uh, a couple months ago, uh, let's see who was it? Um Charles Packard sent me this really cool looking camera man. it's a it's a Zeiss icon, Voigtlander five hundred a e. and uh, it takes these weird batteries. so uh, I, and this battery is apparently no longer manufactured. So I went to like my local batteries plus uh, store here uh, right outside my neighborhood. and Uh, They're kind of a a business that excels at, like, kind of helping you find odd batteries and stuff. So we took the camera in there, told them what battery it's supposed to take, and we tried several different modern uh, batteries to try to get this thing to work. And we only found one solution, and, you know, the best I can tell – Ah, uh, Charles had said that he didn't know if this uh, camera worked or not, and it appears it probably doesn't function unless uh, this just this modern battery is just not powering it properly or something. But it looks like it might be might be DOA. But uh, but that's fine. It's still a beautiful camera. My wife really liked the way it looks, so it's now kind of sitting on our book uh, bookcase as a shelf queen, I guess. So if nothing else, it's it's uh, a really cool looking camera. But I really wish I could get it to work. I may try some other options. I may even try to reach out. To some other online battery places that may have something even a little weirder or more more selection or something, see if I can find a way to get it going. But as of right now, it was kind of a you know I spent a couple wires today trying to get that up and running, and doesn't doesn't seem like it, the camera functions. But but oh well, it's uh, it was worth a shot. So and definitely thanks to Charles for for sending it to me. It's a it's a beautiful camera. It looks looks great on the shelf if nothing else. So you know, but uh, and then the last thing was I guess it was I think it was Saturday. I think it was Friday or Saturday. Uh, I got a little envelope in the mail. I guess it was Saturday from Anthony Fisk. And he sent me, uh, he's all the way out in New Zealand, but he sent me uh, these uh, cool stickers. It's like uh, Walkin's house of film. And it's like this nice little, yeah, happy little they're, Kodak they're great.
2: box. We, oh, yeah. we work with them. Oh, okay. Cool yeah, they're they're, super, super nice.
1: Yeah. He said, they're really, really good people. And they're actually based in Australia, but he said, even in New Zealand, they're, they're the cheapest place to get film from. And, uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's this little happy little Kodak box guy. Uh, you know, it's a little, little Kodak box man, kind of smiling. Looks like he's ready to shake your hand. So it's uh, <laughs> a sticker is now sticking on the uh, the V eight hundred with my sticker collection it's quickly growing uh, on the t- on the top surface of the V eight hundred scanner. So, <laughs> but Anthony sent a little note. It says, uh, uh, "Hey Mike, sorry to hear about your recent fall. Hope your recovery is quick. A combination of your injury and your sharing your Epson finally getting stickered." Prompted me to send a little something from this hemisphere. Included are a couple stickers from Walkins Film. They are based in Australia, but I don't hold that against them. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. <laughs> Funnily enough, it's the cheapest place to get film in New Zealand, despite the distance. Hope my writing is still semi legible after years of computer work, and this makes it to you this side of Christmas. All the best to you and yours, and a speedy recovery, Anthony Fisk. So, thank you, uh, Anthony, for the nice note and uh, for the for the stickers. Man, I, I love me some stickers. So, uh, I, I know this other. I've been trying to get one of those. Uh, I don't. Have you heard about these, Jake? They're they're pretty rare. It's a real rare, hard to get commodity. Like these Sinestil stickers, and I, I can't figure out who <laughs> I can't figure out who to get those from. But I don't know if you might know anybody. But uh-huh. uh, yeah, but, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I Haven't yeah. seen one laying
1: around. <laughs> right, right, right. So yeah, I don't know. definitely, just don't
2: uh, definitely meaning to to send you a, a a Christmas care package. Super belated birthday care package. <laughs> It'll just be all in in one go at the end of the year. I'll, I'll <sighs> be packing, you know, three things. You know, the the Christmas gifts To my girlfriend, my emulsive secret Santa, and my you know Mike, don't hate me
1: box. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there might even be a sticker in there if you're lucky yeah
1: maybe we'll see but uh <laughs> but uh anyway i guess that's uh, pretty much my week yeah i didn't get a whole lot done uh, i've been trying to um trying to get out on mondays to do uh shooting but uh it was uh real windy today as it's turning from like 60 degrees to like single digits uh in like 24 hours so uh it's just been a really nasty weather and uh and plus I, I stayed up really late last night uh shooting out a hundred four by six prints. So uh didn't get up early today and to get anything, anything done. So uh but you know, hey, uh you know, you, nothing nothing more important than than prints, right? That's the way to preserve your photography the best. So and uh a, a, pig, a pigment printer definitely will do that. So I was just so happy this thing this thing still worked. It's been up in my attic and forever and all sorts of heat and and code and I was like I was shocked that it works as good as it does. So Pretty happy about that. Uh, good old Kodak. So there you go. Yeah, it must but, be a good okay. one. Yeah, it it is, and it's weird, man, because these printers, kind of, a lot of people blame them for sort of like Kodak's financial ruin towards uh, because they went all in on the on the on the home inkjet printer market or whatever, and just really wasn't able to compete with HP and Epson and all the other brands that were way more established. And uh, so they just and they had a great idea, man. They they gave you pigment inks. Uh, and their cartridges were about half the price of HPs and all that. Uh, of course, now nothing's cheaper than the, the HP instant ink program now because, well, that is the hottest trend in, in home printing. It's taken over the world by storm. But uh, but before that, Kodak was actually trying to take over the world by storm in home inkjet printing by giving you a really good ink at a way cheaper price than everybody else was. But then again, maybe that's why it didn't work because I think these printer companies make their money off the ink and not the printers. <laughs> so yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, all right. Well, that's uh, pretty much our weeks. And so we'll go ahead and take us a little break here and come back in the second segment with uh, questions from the Facebook group uh, directed towards Mr. Jake Rose. So uh, we'll take a break and be right back, folks. (music) All right, folks. We're back from the break, and as usual, we like to ask the members of the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group uh, for any questions or topics they would like to uh, like us to discuss. Uh, discuss, <laughs> we might discuss a lot of people, but discuss <laughs> with uh, our guest uh, that week. And so uh, they once again came uh, came through with fine colors for Mister Jake Rose. So let's uh, let's get into that. Andre, what's the first question from the Facebook group?
2: All right. So the first question is. Uh, one from Alex Lokes, of course, co-host of the Classic Camera Revivals podcast out of uh, w- wintry old Canadia. And uh, Alex has a question that, that that Jake and I have talked about quite a bit in our, in our own private conversation, even though I'd probably say about 85% of our conversations are about watches. <laughs> um, but yes, his question is, what is the film photography community like out in New Brunswick? where are your favorite places to go and photograph and have you ever ventured to cape breton island and fortress louisburg
0: okay so uh as far as the film community in new brunswick there isn't really much that i'm aware of unfortunately uh i actually just met up a couple months ago with a fellow film shooter for the first time so yeah not much of a community but uh I know there's a, actually, a, I know of one person in the group that's uh, just a few hours away, but I, I haven't uh, really contacted him and I really should.
1: It mm-hmm.
0: really, really makes you uh, feel jealous
2: of all those folks in the greater Toronto area, doesn't it?
0: Oh, yeah, I know it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Karen, I... <laughs> uh,
2: Karen Hitterman the other day uh, sent me a picture of, of her and uh, it was like her merlin um take and juan from beers and cameras and okay. it was just like man that's such an awesome little like meet up on top of the the toronto what is it the toronto film shooters grouper or whatever yes. that the, the ccr mm-hmm. guys uh seem to i don't know about leaders spearhead but are definitely active members of
0: yeah i wish uh toronto was further away than a 13 hour drive <laughs> further wow. away or closer <laughs> <laughs> uh closer i mean yeah
1: <laughs> wow that that's a drive yeah
0: yeah yeah it is for sure
1: yeah it's uh it's i, I don't know man like i am i need i actually have um uh, a uh a fellow a fellow Louisvilleian uh reached out to me uh is trying to organize a uh kind of a world Pinho day uh, uh, event here in Louisville and uh, wants to talk to me about, uh, being, getting involved with it or whatever he's trying to make a kind of an event out of it. So, uh, I'll keep you guys posted, uh, about that. Um, as we kind of get more, as we get more details and find out if we're gonna be able to pull this thing off, but it's something very cool. I'm hoping that through things like that, I want to start reaching out a little bit more in, in the Louisville area because I know there's film shooters around here. Uh, and, I mean, obviously me and John Gregory need to get, get together more than we do, but, I think uh John and I need to organize some film walks here in in town and and see see who will come out and I might meet some more film shooters cuz I know there's plenty of them in this town I just haven't really reached out and so it's it's kind of my my bad that I I uh, haven't really, you know, connected with the local film society of this town, whoever they may be, uh, but I'm sure they're all cool kids and probably, uh, probably you know, probably wear really, probably wear pea coats and, you know, uh, hipster glasses and stuff like that, I'm sure. So, you <laughs> know, really, really great, cool, cool people. But, uh, so, <laughs> but
2: uh, <laughs> well, now, Jake, uh, I, I can't remember if this is already something that I've asked you before, but being that you're in college right now, uh, do you you know, do you not see, you know, the, the youngsters, the, the, the fellow millennials slash Gen Zers walking around with, with film cameras? Are there no like film, uh, photography classes offered?
0: Well, yeah. Like as, as far as, uh, seeing people around with film cameras, I've, uh, well, I guess I've been living in Fredericton, which is the, uh, the college town for, uh, four or five years now. And, uh, yeah, I've never seen anybody out and about with the film camera, unfortunately. But uh, the uh, the local photography store, at Harvey Studios in Fredericton, they uh, they carry Ilford uh, products, and they just recently got some Kodak Kodak stuff. And uh, I know people are buying film, but I, yeah, as far as seeing people out
1: and about, I've uh, yeah, I've never seen anybody. It always reminds me of, uh, remember, Andre, when you were in town and we were walking up that walking bridge and we, we walked past a group of some digital bullies and they were they were giving us the evil eye. We had our film <laughs> cameras and we were looking yeah. way more hip than them and they, they just kept looking at us with, oh, look at those... Look at those guys with film cameras, man. Uh, film. Uh, yeah. uh,
2: uh, you yeah. never know. You never know, Mike. Maybe it was like, oh, look at that old man taking his young son out and shooting film, teaching him how the good old days were. You know what?
1: Uh, you, you can just, you just fuck off with that, with that talk. Uh, all
2: yeah, right, it, does, it does remind me kind of of uh, in my college town, not that you would never see people. Um, and we did have a few film photography classes at the university, but a lot of people would just, you know, rent one of the, the university's cameras. I would say that it was like an even balance of, uh, at least the people coming into the the store where I used to work of young people coming in to, to buy film and, and, you know, check out an old kind of beat up SLR. Um, and like just older people that never abandoned it. Like, you know, folks in their like fifties, sixties who didn't really want to kind of deal with a a little digital point and shoot would, you know, just bring in one roll of film and would say, you know, like, oh, this has like, you know, my my grandson's, you know, fourth birthday on it. Uh, you know, all right, Mr. So and so, do you want Scans. Oh no, I don't want to bother with the scans. I don't even have a thing to put the CD in. I just, you know, <laughs> just uh, doubles four by six, please. <laughs> and so it always, it always made me, made me smile when you see the, the old timers who had never really abandoned it. Um, but yeah,
1: yeah, I got a a shipment. My first shipment of prints that I ordered from the free, all the free prints that I ordered last week came in a couple of days ago, and I did a face cast on it. But it was funny to see the prints in like those paper sleeves. I haven't got one of those paper sleeves full of prints since, since like my drugstore film developing days or whatever. And it was kind of, kind of quaint to see those old, you know, film print packages, you know, and, uh, <laughs> it even had a little slot in the front of it where they would put negatives if I had you know gotten film processed by them or whatever, which, uh, which is just kind of just interesting. Kind of took me back, but, uh, yeah, but yeah, it is whatever, but <laughs> I wonder, like labs at labs these days. Uh, do they, um, I almost sound like I said kids these days in a way, labs these days. But uh, the, uh, the, so are they still giving their scans on CDs? Because I mean, a lot of computers don't even have CD drives anymore. You know, like, I wonder what they're doing about that. Are they going thumb drives now, or I don't know.
0: I know, uh, well, I, I guess I haven't had any uh, film scanned by a lab for a couple years, but uh, the last time I did, they did give me a CD. Mm
1: hmm. I feel like that's still kind of the standard, but you know, like a lot of computers, because I think you can get those little, you know, external USB CD readers or you know DVD drives or whatever. You can get those, I know, but like because most computers don't don't have them anymore, you know. And oh, that's uh, that's very you know. true. All right, Audrey, what we got next? All
2: right, next up, we have got from Mr. Nick Bull, who uh, also fellow. Uh, watch nerd, uh, who asks, what is your most used camera? Uh, and also, sub-question, what is your favorite watch you own, and what is the Grail watch?
0: Okay, Roo. so...
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is when Mike regrets uh, letting me pick the questions.
0: <laughs> yeah, we need, we need to educate him in the
1: ways of the watch, huh? Oh, Apple Watch is what all the cool kids are wearing, so... Uh,
2: <laughs> Until uh... your Kodak uh, Apple Watch band <laughs> breaks and it falls off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh my most used camera uh at the moment probably my Leica M6. I uh I pretty much take that camera everywhere. I I try to make it a point. And uh yeah. Other than that probably probably the Rolleiflex, the uh the Rolly? Most <laughs> <laughs> Especially the most uh, the most recent edition. I've been uh, running a couple of rolls through that the last couple of days, trying to test it out. And uh, I, the next part was the Grail Watch, uh,
2: favorite watch, and then Grail
0: Watch. Also, favorite. I'm
2: gonna add I'm gonna add a part to that. So right now, the M6 is your favorite camera, and also, what would be your Grail camera?
0: My grail camera and
2: you're not allowed to say oh I already got it
0: <laughs> I guess I'll have to pick one then <laughs> uh, I don't think I would go out and actually buy one unless it was a really good deal but probably a Nikon F6 mm. I mean I, ha- I have a Nikon F5 and it's mostly the same camera for about a thousand or more dollars less
1: Mm-hmm.
0: but uh sherry christians sherry christensen and i talk quite a lot and she recently just got one and i've kind of been uh, a little bit Guessing. envious of her. a little
1: bit yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah didn't if it she wasn't... get one didn't she get like pretty much a brand new one uh in the box sort of that situation
0: I don't believe it was like sealed in the box, but okay. yeah, it uh, it came with all the uh, all the bells and whistles.
1: Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah. Can you still get an F six brand new? Because I know they, you know, they, I don't know how long it's been since they actually manufactured them, but apparently they still had quite a few in like a warehouse somewhere. Is it still something you can get brand new in a box? Because that would be really, really kind of cool to to get one uh, sealed up with the, all the factory seals and all that. But I don't know.
0: It could have changed since the last time I was checking, but I'm quite sure you can still buy them from B and H, new in the box. Wow! Yeah, that would be that very cool. But would. I mean, they're like two thousand dollars.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You can buy a lot of other cameras and film with that, man. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, the watch part, I guess. Uh, my favorite watch would be my IWC Mark 18. I I pretty much wear that everyday life, and it's kind of been shelving my other watches as a result. But uh, it is what it is.
1: <sighs> I have this. Uh, you all might as well be talking Greek right now. But go
0: ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Mike has checked out. <laughs>
2: what, what what would you it's say such... is like the camera the camera equivalent of the IWC Mark Eighteen?
0: Uh, it's it's kind of utilitarian in a way like it's it's not a flashy watch at all it's you know it's it's all brushed and there's only really one polished surface on it so uh,
1: I don't know yeah, it's probably a Pentax working man's watch kind of thing yeah
0: yeah right. I was I was thinking uh, I was thinking a Nikon F <laughs> <laughs> but yeah Pentax yeah but also in a, in a oh, compact size
2: not a not as big and, and chunky as a big pilot maybe like a Nikon FM
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Chrome Nikon FM.
0: That could be it. Yeah, I could see that.
1: Good, good attempt to try to keep me engaged in this conversation. (laughs) And then the grill watch. This is where where I wish I did have to go let the cat in uh, at some point because I can just walk away from this conversation and let you let you nerds carry on with it. But uh, so, (laughs) go ahead.
0: Uh, grill watch. Probably a. Pre-moon Speedmaster.
2: All right, now now
0: break that break that down for us. So oh, wait, uh, you and I thought you were
2: going for like a birth year Speedmaster.
0: Well, if we're talking Grail,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So, as you guys know, <laughs> uh, the Speedmaster was worn on the wrist of the a- Apollo astronauts when they uh, they went to the moon. With their Hasselblads too. There you go, Mike. Hasselblad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, so every Omega Speedmaster pre, uh, like sometime in 1969, they're referred to as pre moons with the uh, the famous caliber 321 movement. And uh, yeah, they're kind of the Speedmaster to have, I guess not not cheap as a result but uh, i guess that's why they call it a grail hmm.
2: that's true you can use the chronograph to time your uh, your developments <laughs>
0: exactly
1: yeah, uh, i'm trying real hard to connect it to you uh, i'm i'm just i'm sitting here just swirling my mouse around just kind of waiting for this next question so yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right all right all right well next question comes from Betsy Cara
2: who asks I see you are joining the Roloflex addiction program talk to me about that and please consider donating one to my collection Roloflex so basically Jake what, what kind of uh, led you down the path to uh, well first getting the first Roloflex we already know the story of the second one and what's been your overall kind of experience did you, did you have a lot of experience with TLRs before
0: so yeah, my uh actually my first medium format camera was a TLR. It was a uh was a Sheikah Mat 124. And I uh, I really enjoyed that camera and of course like uh most cameras that I enjoy, I ended up <laughs> selling it for something that I really lusted after.
2: Such as your Nikon FE, which was your first and you betrayed it.
0: I did betray it. I <laughs> that's an, that's a a sale that I deeply regret but uh yeah it is what it is right so yeah i I did have quite a bit of uh experience with tlr's and uh going back to the uh regrettable sales i i sold my Hasselblad 500 cm uh (laughs) glass
1: Yeah, I, I guess my, my only job for the show is just here and uh, do all the voices. So it's like, I'm like the, I'm like the sound bed guy now. So <laughs> yeah, you're doing a great job.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I, uh, I sold that one last year to, uh, in order to fund my Leica M6. And I, uh, I really mm-hmm. kinda, I really kinda missed the six by six format and, uh, I only had uh, one medium format camera after that, and that was the uh, the GW692 that I actually bought from Andre. And I didn't want that to be uh, lonely on the shelf too much longer, so I figured I better get another 6x6 six six camera. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I listened to uh, the Rolleiflex episode of the Classic Camera Revival, and uh, as the disclaimer says... Uh, you will get gas, <laughs> right? And I certainly did. So I saw the uh, this uh 3.5a on uh, on Facebook, and I figured, what the hell? I'm already broke, so I might as well buy another camera. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the film
1: photographer's logic.
2: <laughs> That's yeah.
1: right. Yeah. It's pretty much been my uh, it's pretty much been my logic my whole life. Uh, I'm never going to get ahead, so you know what? Why try? You know, so uh, just uh, oh, keep God. on. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Jake mentioned some cameras he regrets selling. Andre, I don't really know that I've really ever heard you. Oh, excuse me, talk about a a camera you've regretted selling. You seem to have been pretty smart on what you've sold and and bought. You know, so or, or replaced it with or whatever it is. Is there any regrets you have in any of the cameras you've sold? Um. No, I can't really say that anything
2: left like a a gaping hole that I really need to fill. Uh, I've also not been super creative in my purchases. I've either kind of upgraded to you know things that were um, you know better than 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 less capable options that I had before, or just switched around within the same like family, such as with the Leicas, to eventually land on the the body that makes the most sense for me um -hmm. i'm I'm sure that our pinhole friends will will bemoan the fact that i that i temporarily uh abandoned pinhole photography and selling my very nice uh, zero image six by nine system with the you know the filter adapter and the cable release adapter um and and even that i don't really regret because if and or when I, I do ever make it back to pinhole, I'm probably not going to go for something that that feels that close to large format, to be honest.
1: Well, I think it's funny, uh, Andre. I I mean, I, I'm starting to see what your game plan was all along with the pinhole thing. You got into it really deep, uh, just enough to appear on the, the Lensless podcast. And then as soon as you, <laughs> you made that debut, just, I don't need pinhole anymore. I've already had my, my fame out of that. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, know, you, no, you played. No, I, you, think, you, you, I think I think, think you played. Was... I think you played those guys a little bit. So, yeah.
2: <laughs> I think it was you know me going from from you know sleepy little college town, not too dissimilar from from Jake's to the the hustle and bustle of of L.A. Uh, I don't I don't have time for for that slow of a of a photographic process anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to say, the only camera uh, that that sticks out to me is a regrettable sell. Well, probably two. I regret selling the Stylus Epic back. Uh, gosh, probably when I was in my digital dark ages, I I wondered why it sold for so much money. I didn't realize it was kind of a cult classic, and so I was like, man, why are people bidding this thing up so high? And now I kind of know why, and I kind of regret that, but I've got other cameras since that kind of replaced that. My Pentax UC1 kind of fills that gaping hole there, but uh, the one that I really regret is I had a Pentax LX, and uh, Mm -hmm. it was a beautiful camera, and I sold it because of basically fear from reading, like, Websites about well, first of all, the CLAs are really, really expensive on them because uh, they have all kinds of like rubber gaskets because it's basically a kind of a weatherproof camera, and so because of those gaskets had to be replaced over so many years. It's kind of an expensive CLA, and and then there was rumors about well, if it goes if the if the electronics tank in it, uh, there are some some mechanical shutter speeds you can still use, but if the electronics go. A lot of the parts aren't available anymore, and so it's just getting hard to fix them. So I was like, you know what, mine still works. I can still get some good money for it. You know, let's go ahead and sell it. I, I, I kind of let these internet fears and uh, legends kind of scare me off on it. And you know, now I still see people all the time with their LXs, and they still keep working perfectly fine. I'm like, Why not just keep that damn camera? It was, <laughs> it was a super awesome camera, and uh, so I kind of do regret that one. I kind of let fears of it going, the fear of it failing. Um, kind of uh just motivated me to sell it while i could but i should have just used it until it died and then decided what i wanted to do with it you know so um because i don't know what i did with that money you know (laughs) like i sold it i don't don't know where that money went so i'm sure it went to another camera i don't
2: i don't disagree with with past mike because you know right now with the exception of the f100 which they made so many of and and, you know, getting them serviced or just getting a new one is really not that expensive. And even though people were saying like, ah, well, with everybody talking about them, the prices are going to increase. No, they haven't. There's tons of them out there. Right. Um, I really don't uh, think that it was a bad thing for me to kind of let go of my F3 and my M6 because... You know, even if one day, if and or when I have kids, they are interested or not interested in film photography, if it's even around uh, by then, I at least want to know that I can shoot these and and get them serviced well into like my 50s, 60s, 70s. Um, And so there is a certain comfort in knowing that. And I am glad that I don't uh, have cameras that that really would 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 make me fearful of that kind of electronic failure
1: yeah yeah Yeah. i think most of my electronic cameras now are generally like uh kind of cheapy 90s you know whiz bank supercomputer film cameras and those are still going for so cheap right now. I don't worry about those because if the electronics fail, you know, it's it'll be cheaper for me to just find another one on eBay or whatever, uh, than to, to get it repaired uh, because just they're just they just don't sell for much. Uh, but the LX does sell for a lot, so that's, that's I think that's what scared me a little bit about that one. And uh, but yeah, the, the cheap 90s, uh, kind of electronic whiz bang ones, man you know you can get them so cheap you know it's i don't I don't really worry about uh the, the electronic cameras i have now so and i, I love them i use them a lot I and mean, i actually sometimes th- i think i prefer them but uh they uh because i just like having all the features i like hey it's it's nice to have one eight thousandth of a second shutter speed too that's uh and i know mac mcdonald will definitely agree with that that sentiment. but yeah, but yeah. so all right uh where are we at andre
2: all right uh, the aforementioned Sherry Christensen asks, I know you love your Nikons. If you could only pick one, which would it be?
0: Uh, that's which like picking from question, your children.
2: You, yeah, and you've got almost all of them right now.
0: <laughs> that's that's my mission. <laughs> uh, if I had to pick one, probably the F2. Yeah, hmm. probably probably the F2. Only because it's 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 completely mechanical it's built like a tank it's got the a little bit better ergonomics than the F and the one two thousand shutter speed over the F uh, yeah I guess in my opinion it's probably the the greatest fully mechanical SLR ever made but that might get Was a that? little bit of flack from the uh, pentax camp. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, Pentax is a working man's camera, so I mean, if you don't want to be a working man, that's fine. Not everybody, nobody was cut out for it, but you know, uh, <laughs> but but so is, is the F2, is that, aren't all the Fs kind of considered their pro line? Was that considered a professional camera when it came out or am I right with like the, the F series is pretty much considered their pro cameras or I, I'm not a Nikon guy, so I might be talking out of my ass here, but.
0: Yeah, so the uh, the single digit F cameras are the professional line. Okay. So the the F F2, F3, F4, F5 and F6.
1: Mhm.
0: And uh like the uh the three digit cameras like the F100, F601 and so on are the uh the prosumer line.
1: Yeah. Okay, makes sense. Yeah you know one thing i i that uh, you know pentax really only made two cameras that they actually marketed as uh as pro cameras the first was the mx and then the second was the lx and uh and it's funny because at that point they had kind of lost so much market share to professionals to canon and nikon they just like and i think they made a smart move they decided that you know what we're not going to do 35 millimeter pro cameras We consider professional cameras medium format, so they concentrated all their medium format uh, marketing towards professionals, like their 645 and the 6.7. And I I think that was kind of a smart move on their part. I mean, I I don't think – once they would lost all that ground to Canon and Nikon, I think it was really the only way they could do it. So a lot of people wonder, like, after, like, the LX, why there wasn't any more really, you know – Absolutely consider professional Pentax cameras, but it's because they went to medium format for their pro market. So, uh, which I think was probably really, really is the only decision they could make, I guess. So, because uh, they just, you know, like I'd heard a story that Nikon and Canon uh, really pushed um, high profile pros by getting a lot of free swag. And, <laughs> and when people start <laughs> seeing these pros using these Canons and Nikons, it's like, well, I must, must, I, I need one of those. So pretty smart smart marketing i guess and maybe pentax was cheap and just wouldn't give me anything away for free so because god knows they haven't given me anything and i talk about them all the time so but uh.
0: so <laughs> waiting for the freebies <laughs> eh? right right
1: <laughs> <laughs> although i don't think i'd be as excited about well i mean I'd, i wouldn't turn it down but uh, they, all they could send me now is a digital camera so uh, but you know not gonna i wouldn't turn it down if you listen to pentax just yeah you can go and send those on over here but all right so uh Do we answer that one pretty much? I think so. All right, where are we at?
2: All right, Jason Konopinski asks, Looking at the whole of your photographic practice, where would you like to invest time and resources between now and the end of the year? Is it material cost slash consumables, education slash training, excursions?
1: And that's Jason from the Ultra Low ISO Club podcast so yeah you
2: podcast Ulick <laughs>
1: yeah
0: <laughs> yeah so i guess uh going forward into the new year one thing i would really like to focus more on would be printing i really haven't done a whole lot of printing for the last couple of years and it's really a shame because uh as we talked about before it's it's really the best way to uh to kind of view your work and kind of see it in the flesh mm-hmm and I, I see lots of talk about these uh, these HP printers and the uh, the Instant Ink thing. And
1: well, I mean, it is the hottest trend in home printing. It's uh, taking over a little bit storm. But, uh...
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I might. Uh, I may... <laughs> I'm, just
1: trying, I'm just trying to get people drunk if they're playing along with the drinking games of this podcast. So uh, just saying, uh, that that's you're supposed to take a shot there. So, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean.
0: I may fall victim to the trend at some point in the future.
1: <laughs> All right, Andre, what's the
2: next <laughs> question? <laughs> All right, from Mr. Dan Tree, what is your favorite lens for your Leica?
0: Definitely the 50mm Sumacron. I, uh, I have the uh, third version, which is kind of the the black sheep of the 50 Sumacron family, and I I don't really understand why. I guess it's kind of a uh, a Leica snob thing because <laughs> uh they did change the lens formula for the third version and that got a lot of flack from the uh the purists i guess you could call them but uh yeah i uh i really enjoy it and uh coming from the m3 with the uh, the big viewfinder i uh i gotta say i really enjoy shooting 50 on the uh on the smaller point seven two uh viewfinder
2: yeah i i like it because you've got you know, you've got space.
0: Um, exactly. You've got yeah.
2: space to, like, there's there's still plenty enough space. Um, you know, the, the, the frame lines on the .72 finder aren't small, like, too small for you to be able to use it. Like, I don't think I can really use, uh, like, a 75 or a 90 with any kind of comfort or enjoyment, but the 50 and the 35 on a 0.72 finder just seems to be perfect for me and those those are the only two focal lengths that I have for mine
0: Yeah, I've got the uh I've got the 35 sumacron version for you as well and I uh I really enjoy that but uh I I definitely prefer shooting 50
1: One question I'd have for you Jake on on this kind of this topic. I I mentioned in my last uh, solo show I think uh Bill Smith called in and he was talking about <clears throat> how uh the Canadian factory he was talking about one of the Canadian Leicas and I kind of saved Leica's ass basically. Uh, But, and I had made a comment after his call in that uh, I had just uh, been shooting a lot with my 50 millimeter R lens. It's a Canadian made uh, Leica, 50 millimeter, uh, Leica, uh, 50 millimeter uh, Sumacron or whatever uh, for the R series. And it is by far like, I mean, you know, I was the the first person, even when Andre was in town and I shot a Leica for the first time, he let me use one of his Leicas to to shoot around town with for my. uh, shot some trix in it. Uh you know, I was I've always been the person like, you know, I'm not going to buy into this like a hype or whatever, but this lens on this R series um uh, uh, uh Leica series or whatever, this 50 millimeter is by far, I mean, it's not even close, the sharpest lens I've ever I've ever shot. And and this is a, you know, Canadian made lens, which, you know, some of the snobs might turn their turn their nose up at and it's not it's not uh, not German or whatever. So, but it's a fantastic lens, but you know, you shoot a lot of Nikon do you notice a difference between sharpness of like, say the 50 millimeter on your Leica and like a 50 millimeter on a Nikon? Can you tell the difference? Cause I certainly can. Uh,
0: as far as sharpness goes, no, I, I can't really tell the difference to be yeah. honest, but, uh, I find a uh, Summicron just has a, a really nice character. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really want to call the, a Nikon 50, maybe vanilla, but, uh, it's kind of just you know super sharp, kind of maybe what you were expecting. hmm And uh, yeah, maybe I'm just talking out of my ass here, but uh,
1: <laughs> no, I mean I kind of agree with you because like my my yeah. Pentax 50 millimeters, they're plenty sharp. I've never complained about sharpness of them, but there's and maybe what I'm seeing out of this Leica lens isn't necessarily just sharpness. I mean it's got plenty of that, but just like how. Uh, like with shallow depth of field, how it renders everything in the blown out background. It's just, there's a real beauty to it, man. It almost has like, and I hate to say it because people are going to roll their eyes, but it almost has like a little bit of that medium format sort of pop to it that you don't normally get out of 35 millimeter. And I just, maybe that's what I'm seeing, but uh, I don't know. It's just kind of, I might be talking out of my ass too. So.
0: <laughs> no, I, uh, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Summicron is a is a special lens and uh, it's uh, it's got a legendary status for a reason, I guess.
1: Sure, sure. And I I I'm I'm bought in. I'm bought in, I got it admit. So All right, Andre, where are we at? Uh,
2: we've got here a question from Bill Thu who asks, "When do you photograph best? Are you an everyday of the week photographer or a special a special occasion photographer?"
1: And also before you answer that, Jake, I have to say Bill Thu has been doing some absolutely unbelievably fantastic work here lately, especially like his night stuff he's been shooting. And I have been mm. begging Bill to come on this show. So if everyone would just personal message, private message Bill and, and tell him to to quit being shy and come on this podcast because I really <laughs> want to get him on here. So just put a, put a little pressure on Bill. So just saying, there you go, Bill. I put you in the hot seat.
2: His <laughs> star trail stuff with uh, yeah, you know, with the Rodenol push uh, with the Sinestil C41 kit has just been so cool. And I wanna learn yeah. more.
0: Yeah. yeah, I saw some of that stuff. It's uh, it's pretty incredible work really. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, with well, yeah. he's doing stuff with film that, you know, most people would do with digital because it's a hell of a lot easier. <laughs> so but yeah.
0: No, you're right about the
1: mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs>
0: so uh Bill's, Bill's on
1: the hot seat. So <laughs> <laughs>
0: So yeah, I'm I'm kind of more of an everyday shooter. I uh I try to make it a point to take a camera with me most everywhere. And uh sometimes I take it with me and I don't fire a single shot, but I yeah, I guess I just kind of make it a point to have it with me just in case. But uh Yeah, I'm definitely not a special occasion shooter. I uh I burn through a lot of film and whether that results in good results or Less than good results. It's uh, it's up in the air for sure, but uh, yeah, definitely more of an everyday shooter.
2: All right, uh, Junior Wyatt asks: one trip, one sorry, one road trip, one camera, one film. What would you choose and why?
0: Well, um, as you know, Andre, the uh, the guys on the uh, Hodinki Radio podcast always uh, seem to talk about Japan, and I've kind of been thinking about uh, how awesome it would be to go over there and. Yeah, shoot some film, and I think uh, I'd probably have to take along uh, my Nikon F. You know, mm-hmm. keep keep it Japanese, and uh,
2: pick up a Grand Seiko while you're there.
0: Yeah, well, I don't think uh, I don't think I'd be dropping that kind of cash, but you never know. <laughs> I, ha- I have been known. You to can be sell compulsive. your thirty-five
2: Sumicron. You're no, You you seem to not be using it.
0: Uh, I know. Yeah, I really gotta
1: make a decision on that well i mean the thing is uh, they're not going to get any cheaper though so if you sell it you're and you regret it you're gonna you're gonna regret it twice so right well that that's the
0: that's the major issue with that lens i got such an awesome deal on it and i know that if i sell it i'll never get one for the same price again mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's such a beautiful lens but uh, I, it sits on the shelf a lot
2: why don't you you know put it on the camera and, and say like this entire because i mean the the good thing is that you do seem to be an everyday uh photographer, and you do make a conscious effort to bring the camera with you everywhere. so all you need to do, unless you are the kind of person that that you know takes a bag with a few lenses uh, but it doesn't sound like you do, is just put the thirty five on there and just shoot it for a week and then switch to the fifty and shoot that for a week.
0: Yeah, I was actually talking to uh, Stephen Byrne, it was probably about a month ago now, Uh, he was kind of interested in it a little bit, and I said that I was going to uh, really try to make an effort to uh, shoot it a ton and kind of make a decision, but of course, I had it on there for a few days and thought, uh, I really wish I had my 50 on, and (laughs) (laughs) yeah, so it ended up back on the shelf, but yeah, you're right, right, I...
1: that might, be a, that might be all the answer you need, though. I mean, if, if it didn't feel comfortable for you, if you didn't really enjoy it, then, you know, maybe it is time to pass it on. You know, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you think you're not going to miss it in the future, I mean, it could be a safe bet, you know?
0: Yeah, uh, we'll see. I, I really should <laughs> slap it on again and uh, give it another try. Right
1: yeah selling gear is hard man i'm I'm going through it now i i I have so much stuff i should get rid of and every time i go to like grab it out of a box and and take some photos to put on ebay or whatever i'm always like i don't know man let's just hold off let's hold off on this for a second let me let me me think about this so yeah Yeah, it really Uh, is tough yeah but okay uh where are we at
2: I think we've got uh, just a couple more. Mm-hmm.
1: Matt Murray of the Matt Loves
2: Cameras podcast asks, "Snog Mary avoid," which I believe is the you know Australian British version of "fuck Mary kill." <laughs> uh, much much more prim and polite and proper. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> anyways, snog Mary avoid with these options, please. Lomo four hundred. Uh, I assume that that's the color negative. Uh, Ektar one hundred and Portra one sixty.
0: Mm. Mm. I'll I'll start off with the easy one. Uh, Mary, probably Portra one sixty. I uh, I actually prefer Ektar one hundred, but uh, Portra is just such a much more versatile film. And uh, of all the Portras, the one sixty is definitely my favorite. Mm. And, that's, a, that's,
1: a, that's a hot take. Most people <laughs> seem to go for the 400, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Now I uh, I really fell in love with the 160 uh, when I went to Cuba. Uh, I think it was three years ago now. I uh, I took a lot of Portra 160 400 and Ektar and a little bit of Delta 100 and uh, between the uh, the 160 and the 400, I I really preferred what I got out of the 160 it uh the colors seemed a little bit more uh i don't know maybe punchy is the right word but uh yeah i just really enjoyed it and hmm. uh, yeah so uh snog i guess would have to be uh Ektar.
1: <laughs> and so I'm, it looks it sounds like you're going to avoid uh lomo 400 so
0: and uh, not because I don't like it, but because right. I've actually never shot it.
1: <clears throat> right, right.
0: And Why actually have- that's... Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. That's not entirely true because I have shot one roll, but it uh, it was horribly expired. Like, I, I maybe got two good frames out of the whole roll and the rest was all... It kind of had, like, a gross greenish cast and... Mm. So I don't think I can count that as a as a true try.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay, Andre. How would you answer that question? I like that question. I, I kind of would like to have that question every week, but maybe different different three things to <laughs> marry and have sex with. So <laughs> um, <laughs> that's about the closest see. I'm going to get to any strange at this point in my life. So. Uh, but
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh i would i would probably also avoid the lomo 400 not that it's you know a a bad film or anything like that but i mean i i i i don't i I don't shout it from the rooftops but i also don't avoid the fact that you know the the lack of transparency over what the emulsion is or, or when it's changed uh, from Lomography is something that I'm not the hugest fan of, uh, so I'd, I'd probably go for for that. But also not just because of that, but also because I, I don't particularly see myself these days reaching for high ISO color films myself personally, which is ironic coming from the <laughs> the guy who works at at Cinestill, uh, is most known for 800T. Um, also a stock that I don't really shoot a lot of personally myself <laughs> either. Um, what a great,
1: what a great brand ambassador. you are! <laughs>
2: I'm not a brand. I'm not a brand ambassador. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an employee. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, yeah, I actually see myself shooting a lot more 50 D for that reason, because if I, if I'm shooting color, it's because I have plenty of light on a bright sunny day. And, uh, I want to be shooting you know something in the f100 uh you know as close to wide open as i can so even 400 uh sometimes is is too fast for for that kind of photography for me so i haven't gone completely off the other end of the spectrum with the super ultra low iso stuff i actually haven't even tried any of the color stuff that that Michael Bardasek has been hand-rolling just yet. Though so I think he does owe me a couple of rolls since I sold him one of my Kodak skateboard decks. Um, I'll have to to get back with him on that. But because of that reason, I will probably go uh, with Ektar 100. Uh, yeah, the difference in speed between 100 and 160 is negligible. But if I'm shooting colors, I want it to be colorful. That, that kind of pastel uh, color palette is... Is not really my thing. Now, granted, Ektar can be a little exaggerated in terms of its saturation at times, but you know, if, chances are, if I'm shooting color, I'll probably be somewhere like Santa Monica or, or you know, Venice, shooting uh, the skateboarders with Bartoszek and, and Ed Conde and all of those. Uh, the L.A. film nerd herd. And if I'm doing that, I'm 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 probably gonna want some funky colors, not not some, you know, washed out pastel. Nice portraiture of that portrait one hundred sixty would give me. So, yeah, if I was doing an odd, you know, portrait session uh, of, you know, the the girlfriend or some some family photos when I when I go visit them uh, over Thanksgiving or Christmas, yeah, I'd, I'd 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 use that opportunity to to snog some portrait one hundred. But I think I think <laughs> I'm gonna be walking down the aisle with Ektar one hundred on this one.
1: Oh, a little different. Uh, I, I, I'm going to be in agreement with you guys. I would probably avoid uh, the Lomo 400. I don't know that I've shot it. I'm sure it's a fine film, but there's plenty of 400 speed color films. I would choose over it, so I would probably uh, just avoid that one. Uh, as far as two uh, to marry... I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to agree with Jake. I'm going to go with Portrait 160 because uh, since I am married, it would be more likely what I would take photos of my wife with. So uh, that seems to make sense. It's, <laughs> it's uh, uh, let's just, uh, let's, I'm going to make the wife happy right now before I go into who I'm going to have sex with. Uh, and uh, I'm going to have sex with Ektar because it, uh, you know, it's like, what's the Rolling Stones song? She comes in colors. Uh, I don't know. There's a, <laughs> And ektar is very colorful i think it would be wild and freaky in bed so because uh, uh, <laughs> and it would be very it would be very saturated and uh, <laughs> 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 all, right. Oh, <laughs> all right so uh, let's move on
2: <laughs> all right well rounding up the uh, set of questions from the the facebook uh, group we've got one that i i completely have no idea what Anything uh, of this is talking about, N- nor do I know if I'm pronouncing these correctly. But Kyle Harvey asks: uh, Labat versus Molson versus Moode, Mo- Moosehead, uh, Unibrew Black Velvet versus Canadian Mist versus Windsor, and Gibson's 18-year, which I don't know if, is a, if, if it's a guitar or a whiskey. <laughs> yeah, so the
0: Definitely first not three, a guitar. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Definitely Moosehead. (laughs) As I take a sip of my Moosehead light,
2: (laughs) I'm guessing that's beer.
0: Yeah, it is beer. Uh, It's uh, it's brewed a couple hours away from here in Saint John, New Brunswick. So, uh, could I call that a local beer? Sure, why not? Why not? Enough. Yeah. So I'll choose that. Uh, Not really a big fan of Molson or Labatt. I think that's more of an Ontario thing. and uh Unibrow let's say uh a craft beer brewery out of uh out of Quebec. I do like some of their stuff, but uh I don't drink a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh what was the last three again? I know it was whiskey, but
2: Black Velvet versus Canadian Mist versus Windsor and then Gibson's 18 year.
0: Well, uh to be honest Kyle I don't really like any of that stuff but, <laughs> because, you uh, prefer,
1: because you prefer bourbon right it's, uh, yeah what? right huh what yeah, huh?
0: <laughs> I'm not a big bourbon guy but I uh, oh, no I, I do like my uh, my buffalo trees that's bourbon isn't it
1: there you go yeah yeah absolutely oh yeah from the great state of Kentucky so
0: yeah yeah more of a Scotch guy myself but uh yeah I'll choose the, uh, the Gibson 18 because it sounds, uh, sounds good. Never had it, but, uh, <laughs> if, if it's, uh, if it's 18 years old, it must be good. Right. There you
1: go. There you go.
2: I, I, I was I half expecting s- something from <laughs> you, Mike, on that one.
1: <laughs> I think I've had enough sexual innuendos on this, uh, this podcast already. <laughs> but, uh, uh, the, uh, my family, uh, uh, well, this is a strange transition too. uh, my, my wife's sister, that even makes it even weirder, but, uh, lives up in Michigan. So when we go and visit them up there, uh, they, they, they're kind of like, well, my, my brother-in-law is more of a kind of a heavy, like craft beer type drinker or whatever. And lately when I, when we come up there, he kind of knows, you know, have some, uh, some Miller light or so it, or at, at, it were some yingling up there for, for me because uh, he doesn't like my beers. But one time we went up there and they just had like some big party, So I had this full cooler of like beer that was left over from this party. And it was all like Molson and my And so tons of Canadian beers. So, mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I drank my fair share of it. Uh, I I don't know if it was as crisp and refreshing as a Miller Lite, but uh, I've, I've, I've had my share of some Canadian beers when I go visit the family in Michigan. So, but uh, of course, you just said you don't really like either one of those. So, but yeah, would, would that uh, be like would that be like Canada's Bud and Miller, like LeBats and Molson? Is that kind of their their Budweiser and Miller up there, or uh, are they like I don't know where where do they fit in the in the beer swill? uh scale.
0: <laughs> well I mean we have our uh we have our Budweiser and Miller as well. But uh mm-hmm. yeah I guess I guess you could say that they would be mm-hmm. the uh the Budweiser and Miller
1: of Canada. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh we got what one left? Is that right Andre?
2: Nope, that was the last one.
1: Oh it was okay. Cool. Oh, cool. All right. Well uh huge thanks to the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook Group for again coming through with some great questions for our guests. We will go ahead and take one more break and come back and uh, follow up with Jake uh, from some questions from Andre and I. So uh, we'll take a break and be right back, folks. All right, folks. We're back for the final segment with Mr. Jake Rose, and this is always the segment where Andre and I like to uh, like to probe the guests a little a little deeper. And uh, <laughs> so I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I, I'm trying to keep trying to avoid it, but you know, I think everybody needs a good probe every once in a while. Make sure check 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 everything. Make sure they're all right. So, and uh, so <laughs> we'll go ahead and get into that. Andre, do you have a question for uh, Mr. Jake Rose?
2: I do. So, Mr. Rose. You are, you know, nearing the, the end of your educational journey through <laughs> the, the wonderful world of, of marketing. Have you given any thought as to, you know, potentially doing something in this uh, not risk-free uh, niche industry of film photography?
0: Uh, I guess just from talking to you, I... Uh... I kind of have been thinking about it a little bit more, but I haven't really delved into it too deeply. I guess, but uh, I guess it would be definitely something that I would be interesting
1: interested in. Mm-hmm. Do you, Do you feel like with uh, you know it going into marketing, do you feel like you somewhat would need to believe or be interested or excited about the product that you're helping to market that would would actually help your job, or do you think you your education is good enough that You know, I can, I can, I can, I can make this work with it, with anything. I can sell, you know, shower gel if I have to.
2: (laughs) Oh, coming, coming from somebody that was like very close to selling uh, diapers or marketing (laughs) uh, diapers and, and a certain brand of, uh, of, you know, dishwashing or, or clothing detergent in, in pod form. uh, (laughs) I, I would say that for me personally, Caring about the product was definitely a huge motivator.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would, I would have to agree with, uh, with Andre there. Uh, just like anything, I mean, if you like what you're doing, it's, it's definitely going to help your, uh, your
1: day-to-day performance. Mm-hmm. I will say this, though. If you do somehow have to market shower gel, uh, I am a strong believer and proponent for every shower gel, I will not buy it unless it has menthol in it because it it's cooling and it makes your it makes your your makes your dangly bits tingle. <laughs> and, uh, so just saying. <laughs> Big fan of the menthol. <laughs> <laughs> Big fan of the menthol. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> menthol in all shower gel, man. I'm just telling you. There's uh yeah. If you're if, if, if guys, I'm telling you, if you're looking for shower gel, look on the ingredients. If it has menthol, just buy it and thank me later. Just, just saying.
0: Uh. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to uh, put that in the back room for uh, for another time.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, man, I, this 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 uh, I, I I I'm basically just showing up to have a bunch of sexual innuendos. I think uh, this uh yeah, okay, so let me get to my my question, Jake. Uh, we I was gonna elaborate a little bit on this. I saved it for the segment, you know, a little teaser, like they call it in the business. and um, so, as far as like your photography, and you know I've talked about this quite a bit on the show, I kind of feel like I'm all over the place. I don't really feel like I have one sort of thing I do or necessarily even a, a a personal style or when or anything like that do you feel like you have a, a style to your photography do you, you feel like there's one area that you concentrate on more than or, or something that you would like to concentrate on more or do you feel like you're kind of all over the place where are you at with your kind of your process as far as you know like uh, this is what i really would like to do this is what i see myself kind of concentrating on or i want to do everything and just kind of shoot with what, what shoot you know willy-nilly and see what ha- comes out where, where's where's your thoughts on that
0: yeah so uh i guess i'm pretty random with my photography for the most part but uh, uh more than anything i probably shoot landscapes
1: mm-hmm.
0: i uh i love to hike i love to uh you know take drives and see if i can find some interesting landscapes to capture and that sort of thing but uh yeah, as far as focusing on one thing, I I can't really see that to be honest, but if it was going to be a f- if there was going to be a focus, I would have to say landscape. Um one thing I would really like to uh get into would be portraits. I haven't really done a lot of that and Yeah. It's kind of outside of my comfort zone in a way, but uh I I'd, I'd really like to get into that soon if I could. Do I really, you
1: uh Do do you find uh, like in your photography that like I remember I've said it on the show before I had a friend that looked through my kind of like a little portfolio that I put together and he had kind of like called me out he was like you know Mike I like a lot of this stuff but I know there's a real lack of a human element to your photos there's hardly any humans in it and all this and. Cause I always keep like my family portraiture separate from uh artsy fartsy shit or whatever. So like, do you, do you kind of, uh, have you avoided like sort of the uh, humans in your photos or, or, or are you kind of fine with that? Where, where are you at with that? Cause I, I, it's something I still struggle with. A lot of times I'll be downtown Louisville and like, ah, oh, people get out of my scene. I'm trying to take a photo of this building, I'm trying to pick a photo of this old sign. You, you, you move on. You're in my, fa- you're in my frame, you know, but so, where a lot of people would like that. I, I just, I just can't do it for some reason.
0: Yeah, I mean, as, as far as, like, street goes, uh, I really tried to uh, to get some some human action in there. But, uh, yeah, I guess as far as everything else, like landscapes and stuff like that, I, I see some really interesting shots of, uh, of uh, people incorporating uh, uh, humans into their landscape photography for kind of scale, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. But as far as myself being interested in that, uh, not really.
1: So, in in your area, do you have much of an urban area to do street photography and and like urban like I'm a big fan of like kind of like uh, just sort of the old buildings, old signs, urban decay, that kind of stuff. Do you have much of that in your area, or what's what's the town like you're in? Is is there many opportunities for that, or?
0: yeah so uh so where I live is uh is a small city of about sixty thousand people mm. and uh yeah there's there's quite a bit of uh of good subject matter for a street and uh lots of really cool old buildings and and that sort of
1: thing all right uh andre, do you have anything else we can follow up with
0: yeah
2: so you you don't know yet where you're gonna end up after college but how do you kind of feel about that because it was something that I I found with with my photography even though I would say that the majority of what I shot in college was street photography it's kind of ironic now that I'm in a much larger like more bustling city that one would think lends itself more to street photography and it probably does and it's probably just me being lazy or in a creative rut but how do you think that your you know, your your style or, or what you tend to shoot might change given perhaps some some cities that you would be interested in living in. I know that you and I have talked a lot about that, uh, in the in the context of, you know, living somewhere that has more access to to watches and, and authorized dealers like that. Um, how do you think that factors into your your future film photography
0: yeah so i guess uh in the future after graduation i'd uh i'd really like to live in a a large city and kind of experience that sort of life uh maybe toronto maybe montreal who knows but uh that sort of environment definitely lends itself towards uh street photography uh just from going on uh short little excursions to uh montreal or toronto there's just uh, so much action and so much going on around you that uh, that you can capture and and share and but yeah, it, it would def it would definitely change my photography. I would say uh, I just see a lot of awesome street photography and I don't know, like even though I grew up in a town of you know six thousand people and I, I moved to a city with roughly ten times the population and yeah, sometimes there's just not much going on and I, I I feel like a larger city like LA would you know there's gotta be something interesting going on all the time, right? I would
2: think uh, so. If yeah. you're if you're if you're out and doing things probably <laughs>
1: <laughs> So so Jake, uh, you know, up there it's getting to be winter. And you know, I, I've heard uh, the the you know the classic camera revival guys talk about you know the the hundred shades of gray. Basically, you all have uh, during the winter time or whatever. Uh, how does that affect like uh, your photography when it turns to winter time? Do you find yourself just kind of gravitating towards black and white because basically you're just going to have a lot of grays? Or uh, like, what's your kind of winter shooting process? Or do you kind of use winter as a time to catch up on things? Uh, that maybe be, be photography related, but not necessarily shooting. What's your What's your thought on uh, the upcoming horrible season that is called winter?
0: <laughs> yeah, in the winter, I I definitely shoot a ton of black and white compared to the rest of the year. Yeah. Uh, most of the days, it seems like uh, the sky is like a a wet concrete color, and everything else <laughs> is uh, different shades of gray, white, and brown. So mm-hmm. it doesn't really. Uh, make for an interesting color photo yeah yeah so you,
1: well, you guys so but you go you still go out and shoot right like
0: oh yeah 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 i yeah. uh maybe maybe a little bit of a stereotype here but uh as a as a canadian i hey uh i really enjoy winter and i i love the cold and oh. it it doesn't uh it doesn't prevent me from uh going about my day and and uh bringing a camera along for a ride
1: i will say this uh every canadian i have talked to through this podcast which has been I've been quite a few now uh i you you guys seem like really good people. I would love to move there. I would flee this country uh, if you guys were south of us. If it was warmer and not colder, I'm not going north more north than I am now. So like if you guys were uh, if you guys were where like say Mexico is, I'd I'd be I'd, I'd be at a Canadian citizen already. So uh, but but yeah, I can't deal with this cold weather, man. I I hate it. And you know you, you Andre and Jake here are, are, are you know probably half my age and their their bones are not as old as mine and the cold weather just it starts affecting the bones man like i'm just telling you like uh, <laughs> you can feel it feel it in the deep deep parts of your bones but uh so anyway
0: i have heard the rumors
1: <laughs> yeah uh, i think there's a reason why uh uh the, the area that we um uh, stay in, in Florida, Mexico Beach, or whatever, they, they get a ton of uh, Canadians in the uh, in the wintertime. The, I guess they call them snowbirds or whatever. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and I can see why. And it's probably not the young Canadians. It's probably the old Canadians where that stuff's starting to affect their bones. And they're like, we got to get out of this. Like, this, this hurts. You know? so, <laughs> but yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, my, uh, my grandparents growing up, they had a place outside of uh, Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, Maybe that's when I'll, maybe I'll be, when I retire, if I ever make it down to Florida, which is kind of one of my life goals, uh, I will uh, be, be able to hang out with a bunch of Canadians. Maybe I'll get to hang out with uh, an older Jake Rose and, and the, old, uh, the older Classic Camera Revival guys. Maybe we'll all have some beers in some sunny place in winter uh, in Florida. So <laughs> what's, what's the start?
0: Doesn't sound too bad.
1: <laughs> no, it sounds sounds very good. It's <laughs> a good way, good way to end it. But yeah, end end of the run. So. All right. uh, Let's uh, go ahead and start wrapping this one up. Uh, Jake, it has been uh, a real pleasure having you on, man. It's finally, it's, you know, we've had a couple of personal messages and stuff like that. And I know you and Andre have talked quite a bit, but it's uh, finally nice to, nice to finally get you on the show. So thanks for coming on and joining us tonight.
0: Yeah. I really appreciate you guys having
1: me on here. Oh, it's been awesome, man. So, how about you tell the fine folks uh, where to check out all this work of yours that we've talked about for the last hour and a half or so?
0: Yeah, so I guess most of the work that I share is on Instagram, and my handle is uh, Jake Rose Photo.
1: Awesome, and let's see. And you know, uh, apparently Instagram is going to get rid of the likes, uh, uh, so people won't be able to see how many likes. What do you guys? What's your guys' thoughts on that? It's kind of a, a new hot topic. Uh just you know, we got a little time to kill here. What what do you guys think about the whole like thing on Instagram? You care or not care?
2: I mean Mike, I don't think you should be worried. You don't get too many of those, do you? <laughs> <laughs> <Low blow. laughs> yeah, neither do I. Right. I don't post. Yeah. <laughs>
1: actually uh, I, I made the point uh, there was a, there was a thread on the Facebook group about it and I made the point, like I don't really give a shit about it. I, it's mostly Instagram for me. is just like another place to like, if somebody wants ask me at like an art show or something, where can I check out your work? I can send them to my Instagram account and they can see everything. Um so I mostly just kind of use it as like a, you know, like a little depository for, uh, for my photos and uh, like a, a place that's easy to tell people to go check out if they want to see what the kind of stuff I do. Uh, but, Sometimes I do use the likes as like okay I'm getting ready I am I got an art show coming up let's see some of the new stuff I've posted what got the most likes maybe those will actually resonate with art show buyers now someone told me on the Facebook group that you'll still be able to you'll personally be able to see how many likes your photos get it's just that other people won't be able to see it so uh, that may still be uh, fine and, and otherwise I don't really care because it seems like the photos I like the best get the least amount of likes and the photos I don't care about so much get a ton of likes well, by a ton I mean like 90 for me but uh so but, but you know it's so i don't know i i i'm kind of i don't really care i figure within five years something's going to replace instagram anyway so we'll have to move on to something else probably it's just kind of the way things seem to go but uh yeah i don't know andre what's your take on it do You I, I, you don't really care because you don't post to it i guess
2: yeah don't particularly care because I, I don't post to it and you know the the algorithm is gonna do what it will i'm just more than anything, I'm happy that they now have the, the notifications feature because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've, I've turned on notifications for the accounts that I care about. Uh, you know, between, you know, YouTube, uh, Facebook, and Instagram, now I've kind of cultivated the type of experience that I want, set notifications for the thing that I want, you know, to be notified of, and the rest, I, I, I'll just let it be.
1: Yeah, well, it's good to know that I didn't make the cut, Andre, because uh, I never see you liking my photos, so that's fine. But uh, it is, <laughs> uh, J- Jake. How do you feel about the the like thing? Do you do you give a shit about it? I mean, do you, do you care what Instagram does with this?
0: No, I mean, me personally, I I could really care less. But uh, I guess at the same time, it's it's nice to know that uh, people at least have a passing interest in your photos. But uh, mm-hmm. it's 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 certainly not the driver for me uh, putting my pictures up there. Uh, like like you said, it's it's kind of like a a digital photo album in a, in a way, just a, a place to dump your shots.
1: yeah, I, one thing I, that a lot of people complain about Instagram, uh, and I think this might exacerbate it a little bit is like a lot of times people are like, you know, you post a photo to Instagram, it lives there for uh, you know a couple of hours, and then it gets so buried in somebody's feet or whatever. it just photos go there to die. And I think when you with the, if they, if they kind of take away the likes, I feel like the photos kind of die even quicker, possibly. But, but I mean, I guess if you're seeing how many likes it gets, it's, it doesn't really change the experience for you. I think it's, I actually, it's probably overall, a – it's probably a, a positive thing because maybe it, um, keeps like, uh, I wonder how it's gonna, how it's gonna affect like the, the big, like, I don't know, bubble butt girls, social influencers, like, with, <laughs> What's it gonna What's it gonna do to them when people can't see? Oh, we got ten thousand likes because I had a picture of my butt, and so
0: (laughs) it could uh, It could definitely affect their hustle,
1: right? Okay, all right, Andre. Where can uh, Where can people check out your aforementioned uh, (laughs) Instagram account?
2: Uh, People can check out the lack of posts on my Instagram at andre on film
1: awesome uh you can check me out on instagram at gutterman photo like or no likes what doesn't matter but uh and you can see me on facebook at mike gutterman photography you can join the facebook group for this podcast the negative positives film photography podcast facebook group uh, you can email this program. That's negpositives at gmail.com. And I actually got like three or four call ins uh, this week after having a little Facebook uh, post about it. Uh, so very happy about that. Uh, and let's see, we also have an Instagram account. Under the account named Negative Positives, mostly ran by a friend of the show, Mr. Bryce Randall. Bryce, I have some Negative Positive stickers going out in the mail for you uh, as a little bit of a thanks. And I think, I'm, I, I think I kept promising to give you stickers and never did. So uh, you should get those this week sometime. So there you go, Bryce. Uh, thanks to him for uh, helping me out with that. If you submit photos to Instagram, think about the hashtag Negative Positives. And uh, maybe if Bryce sees it, he'll highlight it on the Instagram account. Okay, it's been an absolute pleasure to have Mr. Jake Rose on tonight, and uh, everybody have a great week. Uh, I will probably put up a solo show with some of these uh, new Collins we've got and all this stuff, so uh, you can look forward to that on Friday morning. And until then, uh, everybody have a great week. Everybody stay positive. And shoot some cool film photos. There it is. Alright, folks, thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Mike on the mic. Mike test. To, uh, two testes. Two testes on my mic. Andre. Test, test. One, two, three. And Jake. Test, test. Testicles. <laughs> <laughs> A gutter man cave production.